Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Um, we were just talking about how I don't like this episode because it's too sad. So It is. It's got some, <laughs> some great super nerdy like like uh, physics and mathematical theory stuff, but uh, did not enough to outweigh the sad yeah. <laughs> for me. I think also I don't, well, it's sad, but also like there's a lot of Lincoln stuff in here that I don't like. Um, I don't like the actor that plays Charles. Like I don't, he does a very good job. <laughs> and this is like another confusing time travel, time related type episode that is hard for me to recap. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was just watching this and I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. But there's a lot of stuff in this episode that, um, creates ripples in the lake so to so to speak for future episodes and future seasons so it's a really important episode um it's i feel like a lot of stuff from this episode was taken and made the whole like second half of the fourth season pretty much or fifth season fifth season where are they in space um fifth season first half (laughs) of the fifth season right yes okay seventh's coming up yeah, because yeah. it like it's heavily dependent on Robin and like the future and all that kind of stuff, and like Daisy having this like yeah the whole the whole fifth season I think with ramifications through the sixth yeah yeah but anyway so it's an important episode but it's gonna be hard to talk about anyway before we get started we are a part of the but why though podcast community so be sure to check them out on twitter at but why though pc and their website at but why though podcast.com we're super proud to be a part of their community and also they've been having a lot of giveaways going on so be sure to check out their twitter and their website for that because it's like just follow a bunch of people and you're entered and it's great and there's good stuff so (laughs) um this is oh by the way we are sticking with our format of spoilers 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 abound yeah yeah as as evidenced by my very open conversation about season five so sorry if you didn't know that but we announced it on our last episode so here we go also if this is your first episode of the show you can't have a whole lot of expectations so yeah that's true if you skip the last two well that was weird of you Uh, this is like one episode they really wanted to hear us talk about so they listened to just this one um this is season three episode 15 titled space time written by mo tantrin and jed whedon and directed by kevin tantrin um originally aired april 5th 2016 and apparently kevin tantrin was um chosen to direct this episode i was reading in the wikipedia because he directed the previous like daisy one shot fluid um one room combat sequence from a previous episode and so there's something similar in this episode that you know they found that episode to be wildly successful and so they shot he shot something similar for this episode so he was the one that they wanted to be directing well and and you bringing him up i know we mentioned i think the first time his name up probably with that maybe with that episode but like I think it was the first season or maybe it was the second mm-hmm. season, but uh, that he's uh, Mo's little brother, mm-hmm. which we, you know, we mentioned that just like Jed, you know, it's not, yeah. un, uh, it's not weird. 
in, in any industry, I think for people to, to work with family members or bring family members on, I know I benefited from those opportunities, uh, as well, but, uh, it made me think, uh, Recently, I was watching an episode of the second season of Titans. I can't remember if he directed it or if he was just a producer on it, but I know he's directing um, the current season of the DC Universe show Titans. And okay. that made me think, oh, wait, I wonder like what kind of comic book history he has. And it, it's interesting that the combat scene was the motivation for, for this uh, choice to have him do this episode because before S.H.I.E.L.D., he had one instance. Uh, it was a pretty... Like it, it led to a big thing. He did the short Mortal Kombat Legacy, uh, the series of shorts that was like supposed to end up being like either a full series or a movie. Like it was like really well regarded. It ended up backing out at some point. Oh. But but he is but he's the one who like kind of reinvigorated the Mortal Kombat industry, like franchise as far as like not video games, as far as right. like movies and, and TV, which is cool. That and before cool. that, all he'd done was dance stuff. But <laughs> it does make sense that he's like good at moving the camera around physical action. Like it's all been yeah. very action oriented between dance and in Mortal Kombat before yeah. he got to shield. But sense. since shield, he's done episodes of the flash arrow, uh, Supergirl, legends of tomorrow, iron fist and humans. And right before Titans, he worked on warrior this year, which is pretty cool. Nice. Good job. This is a nepotism working for the best. <laughs> yeah. Also he was in, you got served. As a dancer, so that's what's why. Yeah, that's that's why he got in direction. Oh my god! So like, yeah, this is a natural evolution. This isn't. He didn't get a job directing a show because his, his sister worked on it. She chose him because he became a director because he was such a good dancer, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of cool. Like it's interesting. And honestly, I feel like they probably wouldn't have chosen him if they didn't think he was a good director. So oh like, no, yeah, it's yeah, not like, like they would have just like these people him. are professional for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Again, like like I'm even okay with it when it's occasion it's a bunch of white people helping each other out it did get me the final seasons of fringe which i know <laughs> like the ratings just didn't justify it if anna torv's uh, uh uncle isn't rupert murdoch that wouldn't happen oh my god um all right let's get started i'm so ready if you remember from the recap, we kind of skipped over this last episode because it was focused on other things but um may and Gemma are looking for andrew oh wait this was last episode Okay, that was last episode. The episode before um, was the one where Ward like turned into the mummy and then he was like born out of this goo from all the humans. And- yes, the human <laughs> uh, jello. <laughs> um, so we haven't seen Ward for a full episode since. So, Man, uh, that must have been part of why that episode was so good. <laughs> right? But it did have Lincoln, so, uh, this is another Lincoln heavy episode, which is not great. Um, but he's less annoying, so it's fine. Um, so the scene opens and there's ashes falling and there's this wooden bird and we see this man in the alley. He's making the bird and he's lighting like a, I don't know what he's lighting. I thought it was a cigar, but maybe it's not that. And he's like using it as to like paint the bird black. And we find out this guy's name is Charles and a business owner comes out from the back door and he's like, look, I got I to gotta have you leave. Like you're bad for business, but here, let me give you some money. And Charles kind of backs away. He's like, no, 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 please. I don't want any trouble. And the guy touches his hand as he gives him the money. And he has a vision. And meanwhile, S.H.I.E.L.D. is listening in on emergency dispatch. And apparently they listen to emergency dispatch globally so that they can be the first on scene, which, hello, that's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like how many? 
How is that even possible? <laughs> like yeah, unless unless that's an algorithm searching, like I'm sure not, it is. <laughs> yeah. like, but how would you even set that up? That's such a complex al- algorithm. Like, what words are you looking for? Like, well, it's not like you just be like inhuman because no one's gonna say it. Hey, an inhuman showed up. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you have to assume too. Like, how many shield agents are going to investigate the claims of? Uh, uh, of uh, people who just want attention, people who oh my god! Are... Can I just explain? I um actually applied for a job as a police dispatcher like a couple of years ago, and so I had to do a sit along. Uh, I did do a couple of them actually, and the type of calls that, and I did them in the afternoon, so it wasn't like super crazy stuff, but it was a lot of old ladies calling in for things that did not matter, or they call in all the time about and. Yeah. <laughs> Shadows moving across their driveway. Or so-and-so is in my yard again, and it's like, you know, that's fine. They're five years old. Their parents will come get them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. That reminds me. They, they quoted my, my uh, grandmother once in the local paper in Phoenix when uh, when she lived. Uh, uh, to, as a callback to a previous episode, when May visited her father, played by James Hong, in, uh, in Sun City, Arizona. <laughs> this is where my grandmother lived, in Sun City. And where uh, they, like, the article was like about how mad some of these residents were about people driving too fast through like the residential streets. And they were like lowering the speed limit, like uh, universally across Sun City. Like oh people God. had to drive slower. Oh, it was so funny because oh they were like, God. but, it, but, but it, it also made no sense. It's like people were speeding. So they're going to lower the speed limit even more. Yeah. So, they're already speeding. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to be way yeah. over the speed limit. Right. Or, or, over the speed or limit. yeah, it just didn't it make sense. Oh it, it wasn't a, a deterrent that was working. Uh, but <sighs> like a lot of these citizens were angry and old and, you know, shaking their yeah. canes at the clouds and whatnot. But my, my grandma was the counterpoint to, like, she referred to them, I think, as like silver hairs or something. <laughs> she was like, it's all, they're the ones who are driving on safe and blah, blah, blah. Like, it was so great. Oh my God. Somebody, I don't know, I don't know if they were calling people or how they got a hold of her or if they were like going door to door. She did Seriously. live on like a high traffic corner, but I don't, so maybe they were just in an area because it was like where people had had accidents, but. Oh man, it, it cracks me up still. She was quoted like yelling yeah. at other old people. It's like, <laughs> like, 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 like it's the old people who are the problem. Quoted an old lady, <laughs> like, you know, like, George Georgia Nell Jones, very old. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so funny. So anyway, Shields listening in on this emergency dispatch, whatever search algorithm that they have, and someone calls in and asks for Daisy Johnson, and it happens to be the guy who owns the market. So they're gonna go check it out. And it's in New York. And we find out that Edwin, as the market owner's name, saw the future. He saw this moment of him and Daisy meeting. And um, he's like, yeah. Um, And then she says that Hydra's coming. And she's like, how did you know that Hydra was coming? And he says, that's what she'll yell when they come out of the sky. And then Hydra shows up in like this helicopter thing. And May yells, Hydra's here. (laughs) And he says to Daisy, this is where I die. And he gets shot by Hydra, which holy shit. Um, And it is, it's a well-directed scene too. Like we were talking about, like like it's good action stuff. 
it's really good and it's like a real fast opening opening to this episode i think and um daisy pops up she's like the homeless guy or i mean edwin told her that she he touched the homeless guy and he had a vision but she's like the homeless guy is an inhuman they're here for him so she's like running towards him and before she can get to him um hydra's uh claw thing comes down and snatches him up and um it is totally a claw machine it is totally it is absolutely like it it's good special effects like as far as looking real but it's so cartoony i took me out of the episode because it just reminds me of toy story and the stupid little aliens (laughs) totally does the claw Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> still, it's, a, it's a human-sized claw machine. Is oh there? my god! But yeah, just every time it cracks me. <laughs> How would that not break so many bones? And right? Shit? Like, and it has like a little net around it. Like <laughs> so many. Anyway, so the claw comes out of the sky and like grabs Charles. But before he goes up in the air, Daisy touches his hand, and she sees all kinds of shit. And then Charles drops his wooden bird on the floor. Your, the, the notes for that crack me up. So she sees all kinds of shit. Charles drops his bird. <laughs> you, you nailed it. I mean, that's what happens, no, right? <laughs> I didn't put anything about the claw on the notes. Maybe I should do that next time. I don't know if they use that again. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, so we go to Hydra, and Ward is walking down the hallway doing his like villain superhero walk where he has this trench coat on. It's like flapping in the breeze behind him and his costume actually looks really badass, but it's Ward. So it, it, it can't it, be that badass. It also, it also, it doesn't look bad, but it does also look like he uh, raided the uh, costume department from underworld. Like, yeah, he looks like shooting. a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> evil vamp. I put in the notes, super evil vampire man in his trench coat. Um, <laughs> I should really publish these notes in our <laughs> so, notes some sometimes. Of them are great, actually. <laughs> uh, this is like what my mind. This is the thought process that my mind goes through when I'm watching these things. Anyway, um, he meets Malik, and Malik's at this table eating, and he's like, "I just wanted to thank you." And then he's like, "And I also want to know why you brought me back." And Malik explains that his ancestors and um. Or his ancestors thought that if they returned him, they would be rewarded. And so that's always been a goal for his family. And Ward points out, you know, he's like, you have like $9 billion. Like you have influence in every country in the world. Like anything your heart desires, you could buy. Like what more can I give you? And Malik kind of doesn't say anything. And then Ward's like, is it power? (laughs) It's power that you want. And then he's like eating food, which I thought was weird because I thought he didn't eat food. I thought he ate people. So, okay. <laughs> he's drinking wine and eating grapes. Um, and then they bring in Charles. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe he needs to consume like. Because he was eating like raw meat. But I, I, I think maybe he needed to like, like consume the people to like gain up his strength and whatnot. So he wasn't like occupying a dead body sort of. Mm-hmm. So like, now that the body is less dead, he can eat food. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe All right, so. I buy, I buy I that. <laughs> I mean, like the only odd. reason Will was like was because because he didn't have any like people to eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Ugh, his leg was literally rotting away. Anyway, they bring Charles, the homeless guy, up, and Ward is like, "It's time to go above ground and show them what's going to happen." Blah blah blah. Evil, evil vampire. Um. 
So we go to the playground and Daisy is explaining what happened in her visions. And we so Fitzsimmons were in the snow. Colson shoots her and then Lincoln's face is covered in blood. And Lincoln, it's kind of like my entire face was covered in blood. Like, yes. <laughs> no, no, that, made, that made me laugh. That made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I wish he wish he's dead right now. Uh, my entire face, not just part of my face. <laughs> Um, and Daisy suggests that they can change the future. And Fitz is like, no, you can't. And then he's like, this is the fourth. We just experienced time. The fourth dimension is time, but it's an illusion, you know? And then he explains this very like, you know, space time thing. And he's like, look, it's just a point on a line. And what we experience as time is already set. It's already fixed. The future is fixed. Um, we just don't, we can't experience outside our three dimensions. Um, and he uses the example of like, two-dimensional dot on a line whatever okay it's, it's a cool scene it is i want to take a, a, a slight aside this is uh to for it's not a comic book connection but it's a connection uh to our character of edwin the the mm -hmm. own the store owner uh and this moment with fitz this guy edwin is named edwin abbott and that is a reference to edwin abbott uh, a 19th century british theologian and schoolmaster and a guy who uh theorized about the fourth dimension and wrote what? a satire called flatland that used this oh, exact yeah. exact example of a two-dimensional being existing in a three-dimensional world so that's really cool fitz's illustration is directly drawn from this real life guy who came up with this theory and an idea of how to, how to present uh time as being a constant you know an illusion illusion of our constant existence uh because we're you know whatever uh uh, finite beings in an infinite world and uh, it's how we order the world around us and they named him after that. I, I, yeah, it's like a neat s smart thing they did. So, How did you find that out? Um, that one, I was pointed at it through one of the different write-ups on the episode. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I don't see anything about that. <laughs> That's really up. cool. I followed a rabbit hole, but it actually, uh, I might as well mention it now because there's not as cool of a conversation, but that <laughs> goes uh like like as fitz's uh but that goes directly to charles's name yeah. our character of charles uh is, he's credited as charles hinton and charles howard hinton is a british mathematician and sci-fi sci writer and he came up with the idea of a tesseract of infinite uh space in a finite amount of space which is uh kind of relates back to our last episode with the this imploding tech interesting it does and and just a similar it's a related concept to yeah. like the idea of uh, of us existing uh outside of time and time being somewhat illusory but uh yeah. i thought it was really like i don't know that's cool I, mo, mo and jet are smart. <laughs> smart i i love that me too I like, like i i made me really like excited like to, to sit like like up on, on my nerd math level i like, wonder who's the math nerd in the relationship yeah, well, and it could be because of the nature of both those guys. It could be too that someone studied theology. Yeah, they were both theologians. It could be or some crossover between the two. Interesting. That's cool. I like that. Um. So anyway, Fitz is like, no, you can't change the future. You all are it's fools. Already, it's, already, it's, already, <laughs> it's already all what it is. Like he yeah. basically like explains it all, and yeah, it's just another point on the graph. Like you can't change the graph <laughs> just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's yeah avoidable yeah which spoilers for the future interesting that he's the one who says this 
and he has to change the future, but maybe it wasn't really the future. Oh, so what blows my mind? (laughs) (laughs) It's too confusing. (laughs) Maybe it was just the fixed future, but they had to do all of this stuff to be in the future. I don't know. Let's not discuss that until season five. Um, so we'll Coulson. worry about this later on when, also, when, when Deke <laughs> is arguing with Fitz about it. Uh, and past Fitz is talking to a future Gemma. And oh my God, so confusing. Anyway, also this like refutes everything that happens in Endgame. So Fitz is just like, no. <laughs> um, Coulson suggests um, that there's a very simple solution to all of this. Um they can the way that they can change this is da- by not letting Daisy out of the base. And she's like, what? <laughs> that's not okay. And he's like, no, we'll just have May go in her place because May is not in any of these visions. And so that's the simple His answer. His logic is really solid. I, I, right? I'm, with, I'm with him on this. Honestly, um, the, be- the best solution is to have May go kill Charles and then none of us can come to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just say it. Dark, dark maybe, but it, it stops any of this prophecy from being possible. So there you oh. go. My God. Um, wow. I didn't know we were going to go there, but cool. <laughs> anyway, so Coulson brings up the Terminator as he's talking to Lincoln. And wow, Marvel really loves to have their characters speculate about time travel and like via, okay. via pop, popular movie theory. Yeah. Like pop culture. Uh, yeah. I always thought that was pretty funny. Um, but God, here's Lincoln and his whole inhuman theory. So he suggests that inhumans were designed and he talks about how there's all this other bullshit about how maybe inhumans can change the future because the environment calls for it, which whatever. <laughs> yeah. The environment knows the environment doesn't not, not realize that time is gone. <laughs> Screw so. Lincoln. I will say though, that my favorite part of this whole scene is, was with the Terminator reference, uh, uh, Coulson's immediate response to Lincoln with his, because, uh, because when they bring up Terminator, he, he brings up this, this, the cyclical nature of John Connor and he goes, I've never seen the original Terminator. And he yeah. says, you're off the team. <laughs> like, which made me so happy. I know. Because, well, I do prefer T2. Me too. The original Terminator is amazing. Like, so. Yeah. You got to watch it. Um, so as they're discussing this, and uh, they find Charles in a database. And so they're going to go investigate that. Um, so the rest of the team is asking Daisy to remember any environmental stuff from her vision. So she remembers that they're on the rooftop of a building and there's like some type of like advertisement sign behind her, maybe because the light was weird. And so uh, Fitz is like, okay, we're going to fix the shield servers, all the servers to search for this building and how, you know, there's certain like keywords and may walks in and she's like, not all the servers. And, she gets really angry. She's like, not all the servers. And they're just like, whoa. And Gemma kind of quietly is like, we're using some of the servers to use a similar algorithm to find Andrew. So we have to save some servers for that. (laughs) But it's really sweet how this, again, we're talking about this relationship with Gemma and May last episode, but we're seeing these moments again where like Gemma is connecting with may on this other level that no one else is and she like comes to her defense in this. yeah it's, it's may nice is very see, emotional well it's nice to see someone else being protective of may and may being permissive of that 
Yeah. I think usually when that happens, and it does happen like with multiple characters, I think Daisy, I think uh, Coulson for sure, they, they, they all have different different moments where that's happened in the past or will happen, and she's not usually cool with that. Like, like I don't think that's in her makeup, but I do think she realizes that this Andrew situation is something that she's out of her depth with, yeah. and she's just kind of like, like you said, she's just kind of surrendered herself a little bit to that friendship with Gemma, and she is like, like very much being open with her letting her take the lead and it's 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 really sweet yeah and it really shows like the emotional um maturity that Gemma has kind of come into compared to season one because I don't think season one Gemma would have been able to have this relationship with May I think you're right I think I think for one like she she hadn't gone through the crap she'd gone through she was like we didn't see it yet but she was going to be xenophobic when that shit first came up you know it's like it's interesting to, to think both her and, and Fitz have grown a lot. Like, like you said, they, they were just kind of like childish. They were younger than their years emotionally. Now, mm-hmm. now they're kind of catching up quickly. They, they yeah. had to go, go through stuff too quickly. I think <laughs> Several I feel lives like worth of growing up. <laughs> yeah. I feel like season one, Gemma would have been afraid of May's outburst in this where season three, Gemma is like understanding and, protective and also like able to kind of like cool down the room <laughs> well, and i think before for lack of a better term like becoming inhuman woke you know like through yeah. through her experiences and her friendship and the and the experience of learning about it alongside daisy in her process mm-hmm. like i feel like she also just would have been in addition to being afraid i think she just would have been cool with uh the first reaction that we hear from May, like, I'm going to kill him. Like, I mean, she should have been like, yeah, that probably sounds like the right thing to do. Like, this guy's a monster. Yeah. But now it's like, no, he's still him. We have hope. Like, oh, I love that. Um, And they kind of have this, this line of like, everyone's like, do you really think we can change the future? And May says the real feat would be changing the past, which May just lives for in the past. Also, also foreshadowing. Right. They do stuff like that a little bit. Yeah. And, and but- season finale of season six. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Don't say anything. Don't spoil it for me. Um, (laughs) For everyone else that's finished season six, you all, I suppose, know what's happening. But anyway, I I feel like this line really shows that May always is living in the past. As much as she tries to live in the present, she's always haunted by her past, I think, especially in this case, because it's Andrew. And... um, I think I think we talked about this last episode, but it just it shows like how much changes in season five when she meets Robin. Like absolutely, she's not living in the past anymore. She's living in the present and what could what and Robin's future essentially. And it's oh, I love fuck it. This writing is so great. Ah. Um. So Coulson brings in Charles's family, and Daisy recognizes the wife. She's like. Oh my God. And she's like, did you touch Charles? (laughs) And so they're talking in the interrogation room and apparently Charles left his family because his powers just drove him crazy. And he and whoever he touches would see someone's death. Um, And he tried to stop it from happening and it kind of, he kind of goes nuts. And she meant Daisy mentions this bird, this wooden bird. She's like, I think it's a Robin. And his wife is like, that's our daughter's name, Robin. And he's like, one of the reasons he left is because he knew he would never be able to hold his baby girl again, which was so heartbreaking. Um, It's funny, like 
looking back on this episode and watching it, like having watched season five, because when I was watching this episode, I didn't think of any significance with this family. And I don't know if this was planned from this episode to like bring them back, but it's like really well done. <laughs> like, Well, there is, um, I mean, we're not really worried about spoiler even for yeah. the episode. Um, at the end of the episode, the way he referenced, I think they were maybe setting it up because he doesn't mention like, you know, he left because he didn't want to expose his wife and, and his daughter to this stuff, uh, to his powers. But he also says like, now he's worried. It might affect Robin as well. Yeah. yeah. So I, th I think that they, they at least, it seems like they at least wanted to open the door for it, even if they didn't know exactly what they were going to do with it or whatnot. But I feel like they planted the seed there. So it seems like it. Okay. I don't know. So I just, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I could, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And there's also the line that they have at the end where he's like, you have to protect her always. And Daisy's like, I will always protect her. And it's like, I don't know. There's so much significance placed on that line, I feel like. It's, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss that more in a minute. Um, <laughs> so we go back to Hydra and, well, I guess we're not technically at Hydra. We're at um, <clears throat> this building that Daisy saw in her vision and Malik is bringing a meeting together with um, this company and it's apparently they helped develop the tech for Coulson's hand and Malik wants to buy the company and the owner or the CEO or whoever he is is like, nope, um, I like you, we're friends, but no, you can't ever own a share of my company. I don't want you to have any control here. <clears throat> and um, they bring in Charles and Ward is like, I want you to see what will happen. And so the guy and Charles touch and he sees that Ward is like mummying everybody. He's like sucking their their substance away i don't know what to say about that and he's like okay 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 they're, <laughs> like, they're, they're human job <laughs> yeah. he's just like sucking their skin away i don't know and so the guy's like dude i'll do whatever you say here i'll sign it he signs it and he's just like okay okay now leave us alone and ward's like no no you're confused i told you you'll see what will happen and so ward does it anyway and he kills everybody in the room except for this dude and hydra also, also uh i was gonna say there's another opportunity for this to them to have used lloyd rathman it is. I mean, oh, he would have had to have died. Yeah, so. I, didn't, I wouldn't guess, have I wanted guess him to die. <laughs> the, he, he could have been the only one to have survived. He ran out of the room before anything happened. That's not right. He is a coward. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I have a golf appointment. Gotta run. Um, uh, so Hydra's taking control of this building. And the reason that they came to this company is because Ward wants this prototype of this, like, I don't know what to call it. Like, this arm thing so they bring up the prototype and ward's like i want malik i want you to put this on and malik's like why <laughs> do they just call them exoskeletons something like that it's like some type of like exoskeleton arm chest i thing. think that's <laughs> I, I think at the end that they uh they refer to it just as an exoskeleton i think okay. i remember them saying that Okay, I don't remember that. I believe you. <laughs> um, so we go back to the playground, and May um, May is talking to Daisy, and she's like, Daisy's kind of like, oh, I'm so sad, and she's, um, she's like, I should be the one to go, like, because you know I have like the upper hand, and May's like, why? Because you have powers, and she's like, no, just because I know what's going to happen. And May's like, well, get up off your ass and show me. And so they go to this room, the training room, and they lay out the room exactly how Daisy sees it the guards and everything so that Daisy can show May how to save Charles um, by getting 
to the end point a few seconds faster than Daisy does because Daisy misses it by a few seconds. And so they run through it um, and it's not fast enough to, for Daisy, but it's fucking hilarious because like May is like bang, bang as a gun instead of shooting people. And then like Fitz and Gemma are like unsure of like what their role is and they're kind of like weird. And May is like, Gemma, fall down. And she's like, oh, sorry. And she kind of like late, like sits down on the ground and Fitz obviously doesn't want to be there because he's like all this bullshit. We can't change time. Um, <laughs> he's just like, oh yeah, I'm coming in on the heels of Doug. Okay, whatever. The way you said it, though, it's like he's totally like a kid who like is act is right about something like with like I don't know like pro- probably in, it, I'm trying to think of a metaphor that's not gonna be super dated because of when I was a kid, but like uh, probably like, like, like using their iPad or something or like mm-hmm. syncing you know uh, to Apple devices like like it, where their parents aren't listening to them yeah. and they're like. Oh my god! Like this is never going to work. Oh, like you're not doing it right. Like I have, yeah. it's just sort of his attitude, like being a put out little kid. Yeah, it's great. Um, I I really like that scene. I thought it was funny. Um, and it's funny because they do it. I'm pretty sure they do that one all in one shot too. So I think so. It's it felt like it. if if there's edits, I can't remember them in that in that shot. Yeah, and I and it's funny because Lincoln is like I'm playing the yellow get help guy or whatever and Colson's like okay <laughs> oh my god um so we go back to it's not hydra whatever this building is called i don't uh, know the transia corporation oh yeah do you want to talk about that real quick actually sure i'll do our comic connection um so the transia corporation i looked it up it is it's it, it, they do call it an exoskeleton at the end of the episode before that uh in the meeting malik when he's like i know you've been working on this thing it, it's the Exoskeletal limb assist prototype. Oh, is what he okay. Calls it. So, uh, in the show, Tran- the Transit Corporation is a tech company that makes uh, things that uh, attach nerve endings to prosthesis. So, like things that help Coulson's cybernetic arm work, but also make exoskeletons and whatnot. In the comics, it's a substitute for like post Soviet, post World War II, uh, Eastern European countries. It's like a it's, mix of Transylvania and Bosnia. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. It's got the Republic, like like Russian spelling, like style, like with a K oh at the end God. of Transian, which is uh, translated in you know, English as the Republic of Transia. And it first appeared way back in X-Men number four, dated in March of 1964, and is uh, named a couple of years later in Avengers number 36 in January of 1967. And so here's the uh, the part that's great is it contains one Degore Mountain. Uh, this is where uh, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are born and from. Okay. Uh, in in their tumultuous history, at different points they've been the children of uh, Romani uh, immigrants, and then eventually turned into the children of Magneto and then back again to or their original parents. And in between that were thought to be the children of superheroes, I think, that adopted them. But okay. uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all super, super absurd and weird. But but this gets some of the, my, the comic book weirdness that I love so much because the guy who gave them their powers in the, in the comics currently, where they're not mutants, where it's been retconned, so that they can be disassociated as a sort of vindictive yeah. thing, because because of the nature of the of the editorial houses when Marvel originally sold off all their rights to everything, when they sold the Avengers before the, the rights eventually reverted back to them into Marvel studios, you know, and it contained the Scarlet witch and Quicksilver because they joined the Avengers very early on in their characters history. 
the mm-hmm. first several years they were around, for the first first three or four, they were X-Men exclusively. They were villains in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Even, even before they were Magneto's children, they were uh, sibling members of his team of mutants that referred to themselves as evil, because <laughs> that's how people <laughs> wrote back then. Okay. I think my cause is right. We're evil, right? That <laughs> 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 adds up. Uh, but uh, so, uh, the guy who gave them their powers originally is, is a crazy dude named, uh, I think, Herbert Wyndham, who goes by the High Evolutionary. Oh. And he like he evolves people and things and stuff, and he's obsessed with evolution. He's a crazy scientist. Um, at the base of Mount Wondegore, he creates the, the, the Wondegore Knights, the Knights of Wondegore, which are animals that he... Uh, bestows uh, humanity to that he get, he oh, makes no. into anthropomorphized animals. So this is the part that gets to some of the best stuff. He calls them the new men, the members who aren't knights, who aren't knighted in his like royal guard or whatnot. And one of the first ones is the nursemaid who raised uh, as infants uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch briefly, and who delivered them as well. She was a cow originally. Her name is Bova. <laughs> One of the other original members of the Newman is a pig man. His name is Porga. Oh no! Another one, Tigar uh, or Tagar. Tig- sorry, Tagar the Tiger Man. You can see where my confusion is. So there you go. Um, that's just some of the insanity, which also relates directly to Spider Woman. She's sort of from there. Her origin is super confusing and tied to that because her father was a compatriot and co-worker of the High Evolutionary uh, in the original version of. Origin. She's also a Newman. Uh, Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, was a spider uh, who became a person. That's been changed. Now she just has like spider DNA injected into her in the womb or something. Either way, it's amazing. And the to to conclude on our comic book look at Transia, the also it, because of the Transylvania thing, it's a uh, filled with werewolves, including a guy named Gregor Rusoff, whose family, of course immigrates to America, changes their name. And so Werewolf by Night, a famous werewolf character at Marvel, his real name is Jack Russell. That's right. He's named after the Terrier. Oh, no. Uh, Their werewolf (laughs) character is named Jack. So in conclusion, I love comic books. And Transia is one of the better fake countries. Like all the ones that are Middle Eastern and Asian best said, like the less said and less used they are, the better. Yeah. Uh, but transient is not that bad. I mean, it's hard. No, none of it's just, it, it avoided any of like the really hateful stereotype crap. Yeah. Like it, it does. It's got a lot of really, uh, stereotypical, uh, Romani, like portrayal, you know, like quote unquote yeah. gypsy culture stuff. It's like, not. I don't think hateful, but it's not like the, the, the hateful Eastern European anti-Romani uh, oh, stereotypes yeah. where it's like a- actually like, oh, they'll steal your babies and like crazy shit. Which, it's real bad. <laughs> no, I didn't realize it was still that, that oh, yeah. racist there until this guy, Peter David, who was at, he's actually one of the most famous comic book writers for writing Quicksilver and like, like giving him like an interesting character and developing him and stuff, who's a prolific comic author. But at this point, it's a pretty old man, pretty old white dude. He's like been a, he's, he created all these gay characters, wrote about characters with HIV before anyone else has written all these characters of color. Well, and like seeming with nuance, like at a comic con, maybe three or four years ago, five years ago, he went on some rant when someone asked him about Quicksilver and how, like, like if maybe actors should be Romani who play or whatever. And he's just like, basically was like, Oh, well when I was, you know, wherever in, 
going to Notre Dame or somewhere in Europe. He's like, they were just telling me all about how evil gypsy people are and blah, blah, blah. And like he was, he bought into prejudice against Romani. And I was like, how is possible that this dude who's written like such like really like intelligent and like well-reasoned, like, like, uh, you know, not satirical, but like polemic comics that like, like, like I think were really good for me as a little kid to read about the Hulk's friend who had HIV and who was still a normal person. You know, like I'm grateful for a lot of like the liberal messages that he put in the comics I read to see him like just totally fall for something that's like the shit that he said too was like so like old school, old world, insane. Like, but it's still like that, Jared. I was in Hungary. I believe it. 2011 2012 something like that and yeah 2012 which i guess was a long time ago now but it doesn't seem that long ago and um there was i was hanging out with this girl who was turkish but she was studying in um budapest and she was like stay away from those romani kids but she called them gypsies but i'm not gonna say that she's like stay away from those romani kids they'll rob you they'll try to trick you and then we were actually me and my friend Kristen were staying in the romani like quarter of the city and she was like i can't believe you're staying here like it's so bad like there's so much crime and actually the best food was in that area but whatever but it was just like whoa so crazy (laughs) it's still like it's not it's not shocking because we both, I think, know just how bad the world is. But I think it's it's more of what we were talking about before about our ignorance of other countries, knowing yeah. the specifics of how all that shit expresses itself everywhere else. Yeah, it was insane. And she was saying this like right in front of these like Romani kids, just like don't talk to them. They're eat. Oh, they're bad. Man. They're trash. It was so awful. We were just like, what the fuck? And then later on, one of my friends got pickpocketed by a little Romani kid, which was kind of funny, but. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up getting her wallet back, but it's also it not just, like that shit doesn't have an. Air. Yeah, right. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, but oh my god, I was just me. Like we were just like, whoa, like we're not used to that. Like I mean, I feel like we're pretty uh, sheltered in California because it is so diverse here. So it's like see that type of outright racism here as much. There, it definitely is here. Well, it's just not the same. It's like. I don't know. It we definitely you're absolutely right. It's here, but it's just yeah. different. I think because if you're not in a situation where somebody's gonna like we were talking about uh, in the previous episode, like about like people feeling comfortable being racist or bigoted in certain situations. Yeah. Like I think just here, you're never gonna feel like you're gonna if you're a racist person, you're never gonna be like, well, I I, I know I'm gonna only be around a racist person unless you're probably in the privacy of your home because yeah. There's a lot. There's so many people around. Rage somebody probably because if you're an asshole, just because somebody's gonna notice it. I don't. I don't know. It's not perfect. And there is definitely a lot of bigotry uh, against all sorts of groups here. Yeah, but I was just. I was really shocked at how open it was, and it wasn't just her. Yeah. It was like every Hungarian person. I mean, she wasn't even from there. She was from Turkey, and so, but she was totally indoctrinated by this like Hungarian racism. I had the best time there, and like it wasn't that much earlier than that it was like 2000 the summer 2006 hungary was like one of the favorite places that i went to to i loved buddha and pesh so much like that was the most i think i think that was probably my favorite favorite place but like i just guess i just lucked out because i mean i i can't imagine i'm guessing that's like centuries old the standard level i know i know but the tension yeah 
long lasting prejudices, but I think also their nationalist movement at that time was starting to get up and running and they were doing like demonstrations. I remember some of the streets were closed off because they were doing like these national nationalist marches, which so know, maybe, super maybe, white supremacist. maybe it was like, maybe it's extra vocal. Maybe, yeah. maybe the sentiment there. Yeah. But this even... other Brown girl from Turkey is like talking shit on other Brown. Well, it's like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, that's it's my right. last, aside, my last aside on it. My friend, Josh, who's England, like his long-term girlfriend, like literally at this point, he's lost most of the connection to members of his family, his friends, like like formerly lifelong friends. Like he's had to build a whole new uh, group of, of, of friendships because his girlfriend is a Polish immigrant. And I'm like, wow. wait, what? I was like, wait, what? I'm like, that's that's just a European white person, right? Like, like, like but that, that's how like bad the xenophobia is. And he started telling me about this probably about three years before Brexit. So it was it was oh, more God. shocking to me, I think, at the time. Like yeah. now, it's like now right. when when Brexit started, I was just like, "Oh, you guys haven't heard about this?" <laughs> Before oh, that, I had no idea. Like even knowing yeah. how prejudiced everyone is everywhere, I think, like you say, we just like we both said, like I think it's just ignorance of these other cultures and places, like the specificity of it, like just not knowing. Oh, they're really prejudiced against Romani or against any immigrant. Apparently, yeah. it's just like. Uh, it's really yeah. gross, and it and it it's makes, bad. in some way, it doesn't make me feel better, but at least like it makes me feel like it's just. It makes me see how universal it is because, like, yeah. for a long time, like when I first went to Europe, because it was like George Bush era and whatnot, and the the European national nationalist like kind of like wave hadn't started yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I felt like it was isolated like I, I think i felt like oh no we're just the bad ones like america yeah. it's, we're the ones with the bad white people they sent them off everywhere else like, like not, <laughs> not, not not like thinking about like oh no shit yeah like a, like most of this european colonialism has been halted but it was awful everywhere for oh, centuries yeah. like yeah. like it, i know um i went to austria to a little town called graz where a university is and it, the the city is split by a river and there's like the turkish side of the river and then there's the austrian side of the river and of course my girlfriend that lived there was mexican so she always went to the turkish side of the river because they had the best food and she couldn't find like actual flavorful like spices and herbs anywhere on the austrian side of the markets she could only find them at the turkish markets and so she made all these turkish friends because she was taking english classes with them and they were like new immigrants and everyone was so racist against them like oh it was gross but i mean and that's that's in 2011 again and it's also like the national nationalist movements are getting going during this time and i can only imagine how much worse it is now (laughs) because everybody's out in the open just like here (sighs) yeah anyway big diversion about racism all over the world because every country has racism one sort or the other um i just feel like white supremacy is probably the worst because it is the most global yeah, well it's yes yeah, the most per- pervasive and, it, and it's the most destructive at this point i don't know if it's the most destructive yeah probably like per capita <laughs> most destructive to like civilizations and peoples especially indigenous peoples um but i mean asia china and japan have tons of racism towards other asians mostly brown asians so Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. White supremacy is in the lead, but, but China, China is committed to the long term. Like I mean, they're, China, they're not getting up without a fight, right? <laughs> China is like trying to get rid of their like Muslim. Yeah, uh, I just read about that. The Uyghurs. Yeah, it's 
nuts and it's really horrible. I mean, like what's well, and it's got it's just gotten decidedly worse. Like like yeah. like they've started Myanmar to, and Bangladesh are doing the same thing too. Yeah, they've started to open up like concentration camps, which again yeah. are not. Uh, but like I, I'm sure most of our listeners would know, but like uh, there is just the common. I think misunderstanding concentration camps are the same as internment camps. Like it's yeah. not, they're, they, they're not synonymous with death camps. They proceed, they proceed death camps. Like yeah. they, but like, it just means putting them all in one place, like, and, and taking away their rights. And that's, yeah. and that's what's happening. I was, and I was terrifying. I was listening to this podcast of, I, I think I'm saying this right. Uyghur. That's how you say it. I believe so. But I'm, I'm not 100% um, sure. So this, this Uyghur man or the student, he was like a, a student in the U S he went home to China um, to visit his family during break at school. I think it was like summer break. And he like was basically like not allowed to go places around town because he was being watched um, by like the Chinese law enforcement and they weren't allowed to talk shit on China or any of their situation. Like his family was just like, we can't, we can't talk about this. Don't talk about it. Cause they were like being watched. And he was worried that he wasn't going to get to go back to school because they were basically like not letting any of the Uyghurs leave China. He ended up, it took him like, I think 72 hours at the airport to actually get to go back because he had a like round trip ticket <laughs> to go back. Um, they finally did let him go, but he was like, I probably won't ever go back to China because I won't be able to leave most likely, which is really sad. And it's really crazy that China's just allowed to do that. But that's what happens when you're. Uh, it's it's <laughs> terrifying for sure. Yeah. But I feel like this is a worthwhile digression because. Is shit's happening right now? Like in yeah. some of, and some of the levels of control. Like, I don't know if you saw, but like because I think of like trying to vilify stuff, and it's like it's similar. I feel like to the presentation of, uh, of Antifa by people here, but it's like taking up so many more notches because it's China and the way the way. Well, and there's just less operate. rights. Like they can exactly they can take away people's rights much easier than they can here. I mean, but, but they uh, they banned um, masks, including like breathing masks which is also necessary for the pollution levels in their in their giant cities so it's like they're banning something that is like has nothing to do with the protesters because protesters were using them yeah so but like it i was reading an article about it like as a result like there were all of these counter protests like like basically all it did was increase the number of people protesting because people were like (laughs) like screw that like i I have to wear absolutely going to keep wearing my mask so it just made all these other people join up who weren't quite motivated before yeah and 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 i think i feel like that's just going to keep happening more and more not just there but here and like, they're yeah. just going to keep pushing it like it, this can't it cannot last forever we can't all be so burnt out and and like depressed and apathetic and malnourished <laughs> revolution at some point everybody yeah, after eventually. Gonna, god um I'm just glad like, it's not going to be because Spider-Man isn't in the MCU. Oh, my God. Well, I was going to say... Um, <laughs> I don't really care about that, but I'm just glad that that's not going to... Motiv- go- I was really worried that was Disney going to be... Star Wars. Like, that would be the, the final straw that started the second American Revolution. No, don't. <laughs> would be, uh, you, you messed up the Marvel movies. <laughs> I was going to say that I feel really comfortable talking about like, like on an open medium because I feel like we're on like a government watch list because we've been to so many protests where there's lots of cameras <laughs> oh for sure the stuff that i've said and whatnot like, like, so uh, well, like i'm sure with antifa so i feel like 
you know, we're already on a list, whatever. I think I, 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 when, I <laughs> when iTunes uh, eventually like gets all this stuff over into unprotected areas in China, I'm sure we'll be on their watch list too. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, you can't come in here. Um, so anyway, all a very long digression from Trans- Transia, right? Is yeah, from the, the Transia Corporation. <laughs> so should should have been uh, Rathman. Rathman and uh, Rathman Industries. Um, so we don't want Rathman to die. So he ran away at the last moment. That is our head cannon. Anyway, Malik puts on this. What is he, what, limb assist yes, prototype? Uh, yeah, the the exoskeletal limb assist prototype. Okay, and it's basically like these worst things acronym that ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, LAP or no LAP. <laughs> he puts on the LAP, and he is now very strong. So it gives him like superhuman strength. And Ward tells Malik to crush his friend, um, and he's like, he suggests that to kill a man with your bare hands is true power. To watch the life drain out of their eyes, which is oh my god! So this monologue is disgusting. When with his vampire outfit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just like super fucking creepy as he's saying this. And Malik is kind of like unsure, but he like grabs his friend by the face and he fucking crushes his head. And we and they show it. I was like, holy shit! This is like network TV, dude. <laughs> yeah, now. Now Malik's on a rampage. We go back to the playground and Fitz, again, thinks all of this is pointless. <laughs> He's very annoyed. Um, they're running through the simulation again, and it seems like they did really well this time. Like May is able to stop Lincoln from hitting the emergency signal. And um, one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents walks in. He's like, we found the building. So, um, And then an alarm sounds. And, oh, Fitz is talking to Gemma. He's like, I, you know, this is all pointless. And I'm just kind of wondering what event is going to happen that's going to make may take may out of this because he is convinced that everything is going to happen like as daisy saw it and so an alarm sounds and they're like what is that and colson's like it means there's an intruder and guess who walks in it's andrew and he surrendered himself because he believes that his next transformation into lash is going to be his last one and lash is going to take over good so he came to say goodbye to to melinda so it looks like may that took may out of the equation right there she's not gonna go and colson's like well may can't go now um and she's like no i don't want anything to do with him like he's a murderer like i don't you know i'm going on the mission and colson's like no you need to stay here and say goodbye or you'll regret it for the rest of your life and so he's like daisy can go in her place and it's like okay or daisy insists that she can go and everybody's like no this is she's like well bobby's not here so i'm the only other one that can do it <sighs> and this we're right back to where we started so here we go fitz was right maybe um and daisy's leaving on the quinjet and Cole calls her sky and he's like really worried about her he's like, be careful like you know if anything you know if anything happens, don't try to be a hero. Just get out of there. Like, don't worry about it. And then he has this really cute, like, goodbye moment, dad, goodbye moment. And, you know, they're, he's still calling her Sky after all of this. I said that in a really confusing way. My brain was kind of everywhere in that moment. <laughs> um, so May goes to be with Andrew um, in one of the inhuman rooms where the containment modules are. And uh, he has an, he's hooked up to an IV and they're giving him the potential vaccine. May is super hostile. She's like, whatever you want to say, just say it because I don't want to be here. And Andrew suggests that 
when he's Lash, there's a little bit of Andrew in Lash, like, and that's why May was able to talk him down. And there's a little bit of Lash in Andrew, but he feels like the next time he turns that Andrew will just be completely gone. Um, and he wants Lash to be in Shield's hands when that happens. And he's like, you never know, you might need him, which, holy shit, yes, we will. <laughs> that's foreshadowing. Um Oh, for sure. <laughs> so Fitz gets the security feed up um, on the building that everybody's in. And they're kind of like watching, you know, the different cameras. And they see um, they see everybody walk, everybody from Hydra walking in. And then suit, right before the camera goes dark, Ward walks in front of the camera and turns around. And so they see him and the entire room just goes silent. And they're like, holy shit, what are we, what is Daisy walking into right now? Because they had no idea at that point. We, no. Like there's been no hint, no one, everyone's like, Coulson is is sitting pretty. Last week, uh, yeah. Bosch was telling him, like, he had never killed a guy on purpose. See him die, and he's like, oh, that one time. Yeah. <laughs> so happy, like, remembering it. And now, this is, yeah, this, this just shook everybody in that room. Oh, uh, yeah. To the core, I think. Everybody's face is just like, whoa. And Fitz is like, yeah, I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think Because um, I think Fitz knows that, like, he obviously killed Will's body. And so, like, the thing probably took over Will's body. Like, yeah, Fitz, I think, is piecing it together. No yeah. one else I think, has any idea what's happening. And I think yeah. he knows what's yeah. going on. On some level. Like, he doesn't know the details, but he knows the like, basics. In, yeah, his instinct is, like him so um so back to me and andrew um may asks andrew if there's anything that he would change about the past and if he could change them being together because every terrible thing that's ever happened in his life is connected to her and he's like no i wouldn't change a thing and she's like i would like to save you which is oh but then he's he's at every good moment in his life with her yeah it's oof this is so hard to watch and he doesn't look good like he looks haggard <laughs> like <laughs> they did some good makeup on on Blair Underwood here cuz Blair Underwood usually looks very good <laughs> yeah no he, but he looks like busted <laughs> a little yeah. bit yeah um so Daisy she's behind the door she's ready to go into her fight scene and so we this really cool badass fight scene that was all done in one shot thanks to Kevin Tantron and she makes it and an alarm still goes off because there's a one way mirror and Coulson shows up and has a gun pointed at her reflection and shoots her reflection. And um, there were some dupes behind the glass that he prevents, you know, from killing her. And uh, it seems like Charles is going up top. So Daisy's going to have to go after him anyway. They have Coulson's the best <laughs> exchange. Yeah. <laughs> and Coulson has to go after Ward. And she's like, Ward? <laughs> and he's like, like oh, yeah, yeah, this is a really like, weird day. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like... Andrew gave himself up. Ward is still alive. I don't know what's happening. We're trying to change the future. Like, whatever. It was it was some good uh, bit of that Colson energy where he, like, he's providing levity and, like, doing some of that great, like, naturalistic, I think, humor that, that, that uh, Clark Gregg gives, but without, like, breaking the scene or the tension yeah. of the scene. Like, it's still, you still have, like, this crazy urgency in life or death situation, but he's also, like, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> like, like, just, like, the, the, the delivery and, like, the body language. He's just, like, like I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's just alive. But, like, 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 we got, I got nothing, no more information. I know just as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, wild, huh? <laughs> wild fuck? day weird day right 
It's another day on the job. Um, it, it just feels like a very dad thing. <laughs> yes. <it does. laughs> um. So Ward tells um Iron Chef Guerra. Okay, they finally call him Guerra on the show, and I saw it written on closed caption. So now I will call him Guerra because when. If we, well, we've heard it too. No, no, I'm saying now. Now that, <laughs> okay. we, now that we've heard it, yeah. it's easier for us to know we're not butchering uh, Tagalog, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. So he tells Gira to only kill the humans, not the inhumans. And the rest of the team arrives. So Fitz and Simmons are like, we'll stay out of the snow. It's fine. Um, and then Lincoln goes in, and I forget who else is there. Max got shot, so he's not there. I think that's it, right? No May. Lincoln, Dixie. Yeah, that's it, right? Okay. <laughs> like, Simmons, to think of it. Simmons, I feel like I'm missing something. Simmons, Simmons isn't there. No, Simmons and Fitz okay. are on the ground. Yo-Yo's not joined yet. Max out that's of the picture right now. No Bobby. Oh. and Yeah, that's it. So Daisy, wow, that is a sad team. Daisy and Lincoln. Ooh. So. <laughs> and Fitz hiding outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fitz and Gemma are outside hiding. Um, so Daisy's on the roof and Malik arrives. Uh, she's trying to, you know, save Charles. And Malik arrives and kicks her ass and she tries to quake at him, but she like hits the billboard and the billboard catches on fire and he's just like punching the shit out of her face. And then Lincoln goes around the corner and he gets knocked out by Iron Chef in the face with a fire extinguisher. And yes, there's blood all over his face, his whole face. I think um, even I think even though it's the most recent part of anything I've seen with the sequence, somehow the way you phrase it, it <laughs> I, I can't now see how the billboard caught fire. No, I don't in either, head, but it did. In my, in, my, in my head, she quaked at him. It missed him, hit a billboard, and just burst into flames. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the Simpsons joke where a car like always bursts into flames when it, when it gets hit or whatever. Exactly. Like, yeah, um, I don't understand either, but it happens. <laughs> no, I, and, and I remember like it's probably like it knocks like an electrical like a power yeah. line or something. I don't remember I don't remember that happening, but I, <laughs> I know they did better than just. Well, the fire is relevant. Catch fire. <laughs> the fire is relevant because it spews ash everywhere that looks like snow. So, right. like, okay, I had to mention that. But yeah, I don't understand how it catches fire either. Um, I need to rewatch just the very end. <laughs> meanwhile, so all of these things are coming to pass that Daisy saw in her vision. Meanwhile, Andrew is running into the containment module because he starts to feel himself changing and he puts his hand up to the glass and May does the same and she just watches him change oh, into the lash. It it's so sad. Heartbreaking. And the look on her face, look on his face, gone. Sad. Ugh. Oh my God. Um. So anyway, the billboard is burning for some reason and spewing ash everywhere. And um, Lincoln sees Ward and he's he's like Colson Ward's here and Colson's like do not engage we don't know what we're dealing with here and Gemma's talking to Fitz down on the floor and she suggests that Daisy might have seen her own death instead of Charles's death um and Malik is like still beating the shit out of Daisy and um, Charles comes up and like tries to get knock him out of the way and Malik gets touched by Charles and Malik sees a bunch of shit and then he goes for Charles's throat and Daisy quakes him away so he's like knocked off to the side and Charles like falls on the ground and it ends up being that he's the one who saved Daisy and he's like I'm so glad I could do some good instead of fucking up everybody's life he doesn't say that but 
That's what he said. That's what he means. <laughs> and he said that, but he does. <laughs> and then she gives him the Robin, the bird, which I don't understand how she was carrying this bird around the whole time while she's doing all this crazy <laughs> action, but whatever. Like, where did she put that um, in her tight cat suit? Um, and Charles asked that um, he asked Daisy to protect Robin. Um, he says she will always need protection. It's like, I will protect her always. And Daisy touches him one last time and sees the cockpit scene that we saw a few episodes ago with the blood and the crucifix and someone's shield logo. And then Charles has this really like bad death scene where this actor just doesn't do a great job and it's not that believable and took me out of the scene. But also I don't understand how he just dies because like he was being asphyxiated and then he dropped to the ground. So he should be okay now. Right. Like what else did, did, like he shouldn't have been able to talk if he was like windpipe. I don't understand. That's a good point about the crushed windpipe not really making sense. So he just, just, so the billboard is just on fire and Charles just dies. I got it. He padmated it. Oh God, he died of a broken heart. (laughs) Seems like he just lost the will to live. Yeah. Good answer. Diagnosis machine. Right. What are you talking about? Will to live? I feel like that's the, I do like, that's the only explanation, right? Like it's just, uh, yeah. fantasy story like oh what's yeah. happened to my daughter it was the, the prospect he fulfilled of- his purpose in the story so he had to die <laughs> so otherwise he's just one inhuman too many um but yeah, yeah so they showed a really like good like gut punch from malik like it could have been like yeah you know, like, he, well, he like, crushed his chest or something that, like, like he's dying of internal bleeding while he's talking because like that's you could still talk while that's happening <laughs> he some, like blood coming out of his mouth or like out of his eyes or something maybe he died from like a head wound i don't know yeah um, there's a bunch of blood pouring out of his ears or his <laughs> nose or something we need more gore to believe this death <laughs> yeah. why wasn't this crappy actor assisted by a lot of blood we know that makes actors better from horror movies. Oh, <laughs> wait, my wait, wait. God. So he's laying on the floor dead, and Daisy is laying on the floor with the ash going all over them. And Simmons and Fitz are on the ground, and they're the ash is coming down. They're like, "Oh, it wasn't snow." And Gemma's like, "I think we're supposed to hold hands now." It's really silly, but Fitz is like, "Haha, I was right." <laughs> um, the very end scene. Uh, Ward is talking to Iron Chef and he wants him to go somewhere and Mallet calls and Iron Chef answers the phone and he's very angry. He's like, you are the head of my security. You should be protecting me at all times. Why are you not here? And he says, no, sir, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of the episode. Um, So one thing I want to mention that I saw in the Wikipedia when um, Mo was talking about this episode, she was talking about how her brother like filmed the whole fight sequence in one shot and blah, blah, blah. And she also talks about how like the last few episodes, Daisy has this hubris and this pride as an inhuman. And her quote is like, when we build something up in a character, we like to take it away. And this is an example of that. Mo is so mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, it's like, and it's something that I don't entirely agree with to the point that uh, he was making it, but uh, something that Brian Bendis, who we've talked about before, is like creating Daisy and creating uh, uh, Miles Morales and other characters, both in, in S.H.I.E.L.D. and out, out of it. Um, he talked about when he's writing Daredevil, one of, one of his biggest criticisms from fans, and it was right when he was first trying to get really big as an author, before he was like huge, but he was critically well-regarded. and Some of his best work, I think, in my opinion, but... Uh, people were like, why are you being so mean 
to Matt Murdock. Like all yeah. the shit that happens to him is so bad. And he's like, cause that's what happens. Like, like, like there's a certain kind of character and the character of Spider-Man and Daredevil are the underdog guy. Like they're always trying to make ends meet. And like, like it's, it's part of their relatability is like yeah. bad shit happens to them, but they persevere. They're good people and they never give up and you have good things happen. Then you take it away. And, and he said like, these fans act like what they want is just him to be really happy. He's like, what do you want me to do? Just write an issue where all he does is eat a sandwich and really enjoy it. <laughs> like, the, the worst comic book ever. Yeah. I feel like that's a definitely a straw man argument. And he doesn't mean it like as a yeah. legitimate <laughs> like, like yeah, case, yeah. but it, it always makes me laugh. Like thinking like that is like the classic superhero thing. It's like, Peter Parker in the comics, like got like Parker industries and was like a leading tech company and like a whiz and all this stuff. But because of things that, that happened, like, because, uh, for a little while he had his mind hijacked by Dr. Octopus. Oh, <laughs> like like it, because of that though, like he finished his PhD while being possessed by Dr. Octopus. And because he's this crazy egotist, he just used part of his own, like he, 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 <laughs> He plagiarized himself as oh Peter. Gosh. And so then it yeah. came out later and he's like stripped of his, you know, advanced degrees yeah. and like all this stuff. And like, like, like but that's the classic uh, trope for these characters, but it's hard watching it happen to them for sure. And it's, it's, we talk all the time about how they're so cruel, but it's like, this is the same woman who as the characters are now aware and have put, you know, like destined to not be together like Fitz and, and Jim like, like they're just mm-hmm. to be in love but be pulled apart every time they get back together as we've pointed out time and space itself is yeah. like inspired <laughs> against them it's like well you think about everything every character like Mac in the framework it's daughter back and they take that away like, oh my god falls, and he falls in love again and they kill her off like May Ward is in back. the framework and is good just to fuck <sighs> with everybody just to like really god. emotional destroy both daisy and the viewers yeah like, god they're masters at it and they really are and yeah. it's, it's the soap opera nature of superhero comics but it's yeah. one of the most superhero comic things of this show yeah. like is is this back and forth it, that all these characters are loved by the creators and some of them come you know they come back from the dead when they need to you know because yeah. <laughs> because uh, it's sci-fi stuff yeah. but they also like they go they put them through the fucking ringer yeah. <laughs> like they really do and everyone nobody yeah. <laughs> so far the character who's gotten off easiest is deke by far oh <laughs> god but-, but he's just only been around <laughs> for a season and a half or whatever two seasons but- deke um <laughs> I was gonna say something. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, I don't remember. Oh, so so you know, she was referring to like Daisy and her like pride as an inhuman. Yes. Um, next season is when she like goes off the grid and teams up with Robbie Reyes and is like she's like not a part of Shield anymore. She like leaves Shield because Lincoln dies and she's all emo about it. And when that was like taking taking away all that they built up as her as like being proud yeah. of and accomplished as a Shield agent. Yeah. So she just like leaves all that to I don't know what she she becomes some rogue like inhuman superhero. She was helping inhuman. <laughs> she was helping yeah. inhuman. Yeah. But not with Shield. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man, good call on that parallel. Man, they're really just good at it. They're good at yeah. messing with us. It's so much good writing. 
Um, I hate this episode, but I love it. <laughs> like, well, and, and the, it's, I think it's the lots of Lincoln interspersed. Like he's not the main character, but he's in a lot of it. And like you said, Charles might not be the best actor. And it's yeah. really important stuff happens around him this episode. Yeah. And most of it, I do think uh, it's saved by the strength of the writing from, uh, from Mo and Jed. And, and yeah. as we mentioned, I think like the action in this, like honestly, uh, Kevin should get more movie stuff going soon because he's yeah. he's a talented dude and really really suited to that action. Yeah, it's really well done. All the action in this in this episode, even just like the way the use of slow motion and all that kind of stuff, it feels right. Like there's nothing that feels out of place and odd. I'm, it, I'm it pretty sure. Well. I, I, I was saying, I'm pretty sure if I go back and and look and see the episodes of Iron Fist that. He- uh, probably the best action sequences yeah you could probably tell which ones are his yeah too bad it was it was wasted on fish um yep uh yeah uh, that's the episode and important one good one but not the best yeah i think the stuff with me and andrew really elevated it too um I feel like we have some episodes like that where it's like there's a lot of like I feel like the the episode where Bobby and Hunter leave like there's a lot of weird shit in there that's just like ah, I don't like this um but the, the emotional weight of Bobby and Hunter leaving is like far supersedes anything bad in the episode. Well, and I think <laughs> but, that that's that's a really good observation. I think that's one of their is that when it is a mixed bag as far as quality and maybe mm-hmm. tone the shit that's most important and that naturally has the gravitas is where they come through. Yeah. And, and and they usually do like, they don't, they don't blunder the really important part. They blunder the parts that they had to do to keep the story going or to keep the wheels in motion. Yeah. Maybe are just not conducive to whatever that individual be like, like the backdoor pilot for a show that never came. Mm -hmm. God damn it. (laughs) Or, Or other things that they have to set up or, yeah. Showcase in a specific way or whatever. Whatever constraints they're they're being put placed under. Um yeah. this oh yeah, no. This is this was a good one. Yeah. Um I think we should end here. Yeah, absolutely. Where can the people find you on social media? I can be found uh at I Snow Nothing. Talking about X Men, talking about Shield, talking about politics, uh and uh, it's a lot going on politically. Hopefully, right now. <laughs> hopefully, Ducktales soon. Yeah, I know Disney's evil, and I know they're the most evil. But there's a lot. Of, uh, but but all companies are evil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, capitalism is evil. Yeah, I just like Ducktales, so I, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel too guilty about it. Uh, I will keep knowing that they're evil and try to do my part, however I can. But I'm also, I don't know. <laughs> We can't be we can't be monks who uh, don't participate in society and 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 cut ourselves off. That's not going to actually make any real change. So no, it's not. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I don't either. At least, at least you and I aren't uh, weren't uh, willing to go to war for <laughs> for for Spider Man movies. No, I feel like that that's how I know that I'm not crazy yet. That I, I wasn't like, yeah, I want to sign that change.org petition or yeah. join the group that wants to like actually organize and protest, physically protest so. Sony. I'm just glad they didn't get the chance because there are people who do that uh, to this day. There are still people protesting 
BOA. I know uh, <laughs> a couple of the podcasts I listen to record in the same uh, like office space as the Netflix headquarters, like the same like like mm-hmm. office park or whatever, the same buildings or not the same buildings, but adjacent buildings. And uh, they mentioned like in the last two weeks, there's still those people, a couple a handful of people. Wow. And it's like, I don't know what they do for a living. <laughs> Somewhat impressive. It's like, have they given up family obligations and, and, and like relationships like for the OA? And I was going to watch that show. I don't think I ever will now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn, turn into often. a fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> right? It seems dangerous. Wow. Where can people find you not not talking about the OA? <laughs> um, you can find me at Space Jest for us is in the Jest Star. I'm kind of dumbfounded by that right now. <laughs> like, um, You can find me on another podcast talking about Star Wars, Lousy Beautiful Town. You can find it on Twitter, uh, LBT Pod. You can listen to it on all the things. Um, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, and if you're a browser listener, you can go on Podbean or whythopodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.